Thank you. First of all, I want to give a shout out to our community. I received four or five texts before I came here saying that some people couldn't make it, but that they were rooting for me and hoped that I had a really good evening. And I am honored to consider myself part of this community and part of this uh, lecture series, if you will. Um, I, and when I signed up to give a talk, I had been macrobiotic for 24 years and was really, uh, really clear on exactly what I was going to bring to you. And then, um, about three months ago, absolutely everything changed. And I tried to get out of it. I tried to get out of this talk, actually. I spoke to many people and said, I really shouldn't be doing this. And they all convinced me, actually from various vantage points, that my story was worth telling. It's, it's a little bit odd to me. It's, it's, it's easier for me to say, this over here is, is macrobiotics. It doesn't really have to do with me. I'm not selling anything. This, the talk tonight is a little bit more, well, it's a lot more personal. And um, so I appreciate you all coming. I appreciate your faith in me. And I really do sincerely hope that every one of you gets something out of this. So thank you again. I appreciate your time. All right. So it's not what you think it is. This is my journey from the standard American diet through macrobiotics to the here and now. So just a little bit about me. Born in 1978, raised in DeForest, just outside of Madison. If you speak to my mother, who lives just outside of town, she will tell you she hates to cook, even today. So no cooking in my house, uh, no awareness of food, lots of little Debbie snacks and Frito-Lay chips and white bread and budding sliced meat for my uh, lunches at school. And surprisingly, I don't have any serious illnesses, but I definitely have some chronic ones. So lots of ear infections, um, bronchitis, pneumonia. I had something when I was younger called asthma triggered by illness, which basically as an adult looking back on it, I realized meant that because every time I got sick, I was given warm milk and was eating poor quality dairy, whenever I particularly got sick, it went straight to my lungs. And so I always had shortness of breath and lots of, lots of nasal discharge and that sort of thing. So fast forward now to 19 years old. I'm living in Mesa, Arizona, and I'm attending Mesa Community College. And there's a poetry class with a boy who paints his fingernails black before it was cool. And he asks me on a date. And I bring the blanket, and he brings his lunch. And I'm sitting here watching him eat his lunch and asking him all these, you know, why, why are you bringing your lunch? Why are you eating this? What's going on? Very standoffish at first, and I finally convince him to go and take me shopping. And he cooks me dinner that night, boiled brown rice, steamed kale, baked kabocha squash, and the most wonderful miso lentil soup with the famous three of onions, carrots, and celery. Now remember, TV dinners, Salisbury steak, Frito-Lay. We're sitting here by candlelight, and not only am I falling in love with this guy, but also... I'm sharing this wonderful meal, and there's this cosmic revelation. I am home, and I'm never going back. Why would I leave home? And so I went into my kitchen. With, I shared an apartment with a roommate at the time, put everything from the cupboards into a trash bag, put it at the foot of her door, and said, whatever you don't want, throw out. This is it. This is it. 
Uh, my mom didn't like this guy very much because in the subsequent weeks of dating, he told me that I didn't have to go to college if I didn't want to. <laughs> so we hitchhiked across the country, eating macrobiotically, which really consisted of dumpster diving most of the time. But when we came back, I had very little work because you could survive with very little work. And I spent the next two years learning how to cook. I had all the accoutrements. His, his parents had been macrobiotic, and they were onto the South Beach diet by then. And so they gave us the pressure cooker and the, and the rice roller and the, all, all of the accoutrements, tons of cookbooks. And I burned the brown rice, and then I ended up making eight-course meals. And I mean eight-course meals grain dish and a vegetable, a salad, a pickle, greens, a salad, a soup, a dessert. I, I delved into it for two solid years and made macrobiotics my own. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about macrobiotics now. Macrobiotics is a word coming from the Greek language that means the large way of life. And I have to admit that it's an aptly named dietary lifestyle practice. It goes, it starts with something called yin and yang, which you might have remembered from some of the Eastern medicine that Rebecca Rattay brought. And the idea, this isn't actually even the best uh, picture of yin and yang, but I liked how on the inside of the fan, it even shows different cooking styles according to yin and yang. So from the beginning, yin is this expansive element. Anything that's upward, light, uh, expansive, and yang is more of the condensing side. And so in macrobiotics, the idea is that really everything, but especially food that we're going to focus on in the diet, is consisting of some balance of more yin or more yang, or, and we're looking for this middle balance between yin and yang. So, and nothing is yin or yang. So you could say, is, is an apple yin? And I would say, well, yes, it grows from a tree, not on the ground, so it's more expansive in that way. It certainly has a higher water quality than, and automatically I want to start comparing it to something else. And so I would never say an apple is yin, but compared to, say, a carrot, an apple is more yin. So it has more fructose, it has more water content, it's growing down from an upward tree, as opposed to the carrot that's growing in the ground with not a lot of water content and, and more of a vegetable quality, right? Um, and then there are all kinds of cooking styles. Boiling, more water, there's your yin aspect. Baking, more heat, and then pressure cooking, more yang as well. So macrobiotics is, is basically a study of yin and yang. That's where you begin, and you try to make balance. So if I'm hauling tires for a living and I work really hard, then I want something that's going to feed that uh, gestalt that I need every day, but I also want something that's going to balance it a little bit light as well. And so there's this constant movement in, in macrobiotic practice. Um, another element, which also reminds me of Rebecca Rattay's, actually, was she talked about um, energies feeding into each other, a controlling cycle and a nourishing cycle. And so, and, and very simply put, this is the five transformation theory, but very simply put, this is yin and yang in one cycle. And so right now we're coming into spring and it's expanding, and then in the summer it's very expansive, and then it comes back into a condensing time of the autumn, and then we have that quiet, still uh, winter time. And so macrobiotics also is looking at things in terms of the, the movement of 
the energies, so to speak. Um, and you can look at this even in your relationships. You get to know each other, and then your best friends, and then your old friends, and you, you know, go to all the reunions every year. Or I, originally, when I was practicing this talk, I was talking about how everything has its end as well. And that was a little depressing, but you can look at it that way too. You have a new job, you work there for 25 years, and you do really good work. You're coming into your retirement, and then you're done with your work, right? Um, so in the midst of this five transformation theory and the seasons that are changing, you can see that there are two organs that are cleansing themselves. They're more active during this time of the year. And so Macrobiotics takes that into consideration as well and looks at the foods that are growing during that time and understands that those foods nourish those paired organs. And so if you have an issue with your lungs, large intestine, you can eat foods that are more fall time, more, more growing in the fall, like root vegetables, in order to nourish your lungs and large intestines. Even outside of the seasons, you know, we can, we can do that too. We try to eat seasonally, but it's this understanding that, again, the, the earth is nourishing each thing in its own time and that we want to really utilize those in their own time. And so we're eating locally, we're eating seasonally, and we're focusing on uh, healing our organs. Um, they, in macrobiotics, you study about your condition, and so you read your face, and you look at different blemishes or lines or puffiness. Um, you can read your stool. You read your urine. Um, you think about what your parents ate and what they fed you and what your grandparents ate. That's your constitution that's coming forward. So macrobiotics, I would always tell people, it's not just a diet. It really is a lifestyle where you're taking into consideration who you are and where you are now and where you want to go. And so the idea is I want to eat as healthfully as I can in communion with everything that's happening around me in my environment so that I can really fulfill my destiny. I really want almost, there's really no healing foods in macrobiotics. There are foods that are geared towards certain seasonal times and therefore geared toward those paired organs. But the idea is not that a carrot is healing or that a tomato is not. It's, it's really the idea that when you eat of the earth in its right time, you're actually getting out of the way of the deep wisdom of your body. And you're, you're helping yourself create health by basically getting out of the way and eating things that are seasonal. Um, I, I spoke a little bit about some healing modalities um, uh, regarding the organs as well. So here's a picture on the left side. You see somebody giving somebody a ginger compress on their kidneys. So ginger is believed to, it, ginger grows down and out into the earth. And so when you harness that ginger quality in the water and, and dip a towel in there and then lay it over your kidneys or your intestines, you can do your lungs. I think the only one, the only place you're not supposed to put it is on your brain. Um, and it's supposed to, obviously it's very hot for one thing, so it gets the circulation moving and it also moves stagnation. And so again, this idea of down and out. Um, and then on the right-hand side is for female reproductive organs. That's the daikon bath. So you take the leaves of the daikon, you dry them until they're really brittle. You boil them in some water, and then you bathe in that water, and it helps move stagnation out of the reproductive organs. So it's, it, was a, it, was a, yeah, it was a complete lifestyle 
Um, so in macrobiotics, I would read, you know, you read the books, and macrobiotics would say, grains never grow in isolation. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back, actually. Here, the yin and yang, you can see right in the middle at the top, you've got vegetables, beans, whole grains. I'm sorry, I should really clarify that that's really what macrobiotics is based on. And you see that there's meat and cheese and eggs on the yang side, and dairy, milk, coffee, honey, spices, oils on the yin side. And so this, you, you do use oil and you do use salt, but the idea is whole grains, vegetables, beans, you know, that's, that's where it's at. Very simple. I would say, I want my food to be simple so my life can be exciting. Because when my, when my food is too exciting, my life is too simple. In other words, I'm sick. I'm not feeling well. Okay. And so, um, and I'll get into a little bit more about the specific foods. So, uh, grains never grow in isolation. You always see a field of grains. And so we eat grains as the staple of man in order to create community with one another. And uh, because meat is so heavy, it constricts the blood vessels and creates um, a higher blood pressure and a higher uh, breathing rate, which doesn't allow as much oxygen to your brain, which makes you a little more fight or flight, and therefore it creates aggressive tendencies. And I see some of you cur uh, furrowing your brow. Right. It's, it's <laughs> this, is, it, this was a whole picture. Um, coming from this idea of one peaceful world. And the idea, which I don't espouse anymore, this is, this is part of the journey that I'm sharing with you, um, that if we eradicated all of the animals that were wasting the space um, and didn't eat meat, and then we could cure world hunger and everyone would be groovy on grains and vegetables, okay? So one peaceful world. And don't eat meat, don't eat too much meat. It creates aggression. You want to be peaceful and at one with the, again, with the milieu, with the, with the environment. Um, in macrobiotics, no animal drinks milk after it's weaned. Dairy, don't even bother with it. Um, and so meat and milk and cheese and eggs and, and fish, those are all considered, under the macrobiotic dictum, fun foods. They're not nutritionally devoid, but you can get nutrition better with less complications in your intestinal tract if you eat whole grains and vegetables. And so if, you're, if your condition is, good, is well enough, then you can eat these fun foods from time to time. That's the macrobiotic way. And uh, just to put it in perspective of history, macrobiotics came from Japan through George Osawa and Michio Kushi, and they brought with them their Japanese culture, which was very measured and strict. And in the 70s, it was an answer to cancer, it was an answer to drug addiction, and it was, uh, there was a lot of salt being eaten, and, and there was a lot of uh, perfectionism going on with macro. It was like you, you did this and you did it, you know, 110%. Um, and so that, so that part of it is important for my story because uh, I was a perfectionist and I was really intense. And so when I read about macrobiotics, I was like, well, of course, this is perfect. And I'm perfect. And I'm only going to eat these things every day. And then I'm going to be, you know, perfect, perfectly healthy, right? And so, but let's be honest. Considering the fact that, yeah, bronchitis and, and some pneumonia and some ear infections that kind of leveled out, 
I was already pretty healthy. So when you add that perfectionism and that extremism and that opportunity to get really healthy, I really didn't eat a lot of those healthy, I mean, a lot of those fun foods at all. So because again, it was like, and, and, we, and we do this in America. I have a friend who grew up in Kenya, Africa, and he says, you Americans, you always say, if a little is good, then a lot must be better. So, you know, if I'm going to do it, I better do it 110%. So 12 years into macrobiotics, I became pregnant, and of course then I became even more strict because, of course, I was creating this other life, and if I was going to be perfect, then this baby had to be perfect, and everything had to be perfect. Very strict. So... I do want to say, I do think that this worked to Annalena's benefit to a certain degree because she does recognize whole foods, she loves vegetables, she's obviously you know, quite healthy, and I will say that as we aged, both of us, and I recognized her constitution was very strong, and she could go to a birthday party and eat cake and ice cream and was fine, and so I began to loosen up a little bit and say, okay, there's more to this spectrum than just that. But generally speaking, I did avoid meat. I only ate eggs during that one week that we have that's really, really cold. And, uh, and because of my lung issues, I really never went back to dairy. I just didn't ever want to revisit that. I actually, when I did macrobiotics, I did an entire ginger compress, which is um, 64 compresses over 16 weeks, four months. And I had uh, bronchitis for 30 days and didn't get out of bed and allowed that illness to completely work through my body. So that was one of the reasons why it was easy for me to not go back to dairy very much at all, because I said, all right, I've, I've, I've walked back through. The, macrobiotics says a mirror comes up when you start practicing macrobiotics, and you walk back in time through your illnesses that you've had before macrobiotics, and you heal them along the way. So, so here we were, 24 years macrobiotic. My daughter will be 12 in May. No major illnesses no pain of, of any chronic sort, and no diseases, and had never seen a doctor. Annalena's never seen a doctor, and I had not seen a doctor in 24 years. And I thought I was just going to ride off into the sunset of health for the rest of my life and never change a thing. Until five years ago, when I began every month during my cycle, during my menstrual cycle, I would, I would be gifted with an important lesson in my life, apparently, of an extremely difficult migraine headache. Lasting upwards of 48 hours, I was lucky if I could vomit to get over the nausea. I would literally moan and writhe in pain for upwards of two days, no sounds above a whisper, no light. And uh, once that was over, because I had essentially fasted inadvertently for two days, I was completely wasted, and it would take me a whole other day to just be and eat and be and eat until I could get back into my normal routine. Again, perfectionism strikes, and I say to myself, but macrobiotics is perfect, so there must be something I can do with food. And so every month for three years... I tried something different. Oh, I'm going to definitely avoid nightshades. I'm never going to touch chocolate. I'm going to eat more grains. I'm going to eat less grains. I'm going to eat more vegetables. I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to get my sleep patterns better. I'm going to work less. I'm going to work more. I'm going to, right? I tried something different for three years. In the midst of this, a friend of mine said, I think you're perimenopausal. Oh, no. No, you don't understand. I'm not even 40 yet. How old are you? Well, 39. 
couldn't hear it. So for three years, trying something different every month, and finally, after no symptom mitigation whatsoever, another friend of mine, you know how you can hear it a second time somehow, she says, I really think it's perimenopause. Okay, fine. I'm going to read. I'm going to read up on it. And sure enough, I noticed that. Geez, I can sit with a fan right up to my face sometimes. Oh, maybe a hot flash. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I decided to read Christiane Northrup's book on menopause. And one thing really caught me. She said, "Meat's not going to help you. Smoking's not going to help you. Stress isn't going to help you." Well, okay. I'm not eating meat and I'm not smoking. Yeah, of course. My life is stressful. Whose isn't? So why? Why am, I, why am I having so much pain every month? So I finally went to the co-op, and I spoke with Arwen, and she said, maybe wild yam supplement would be helpful. And so, of course, being macrobiotic. Now, mind you, I have to tell you this quick story. I was hit by a minivan right after I started macrobiotics. She ran over both of my tires with both of her... Or she ran over both of my legs with both of her tires. And um, I get to the hospital, and he says, now we're going to shoot you up with morphine so we can get that road rash out. And he's got this potato scrubber. I don't do drugs anymore. I'm macrobiotic. So same, same type of situation. I'm in the co-op with Arwen, and she says, I think you should take this wild yam supplement. And I say, well, how many wild yams can I eat instead so that I don't have to take this supplement? She says, no, no, no. I think that's gonna, you're going to have to eat hundreds and hundreds of yams. That's all you're ever going to eat. OK, fine. Because in macrobiotics, right, this is a, it's not a whole food, right? It's processed in a factory. I can't do that, right? But I do try it. And little by little, my symptoms are starting to go away. And then COVID hit, and the supply chain broke for a while. And I couldn't find my supplement anywhere for anything. And unfortunately, my symptoms all pretty much came back again. And even after I started taking the supplement again once it came back around. It's, it wasn't doing the same job that it was before. So I had to, I had to really think critically again about what was my next step going to be. So I was lucky enough to have a surrogate dad who kind of adopted me when I went into the macrobiotic practice at 19. And he, at this point, we're talking about January of this year, has been macrobiotic for 45 years, married with his wife, macrobiotic for 45 years, and raised three children on this. And I call him and I say, you know, do you think it's okay that I was taking this supplement that I couldn't, now I'm taking it again, and the symptoms, they just aren't really going away. And he says, you should eat meat. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, every other week you have fish or something like that. You know, it's a fun food. And as I said that, I realized that I could not even remember the last time that I had even eaten meat. I had no idea. And he says, no, red meat. I said, David, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, my wife is a researcher. She's got a, you know, she's got a few degrees. She loves to read. She's reading up. She's, and she had hormone imbalances as well. And she's reading up about carnivore. She's going, we're going full carnivore. I said, full carnivore? David, all you're eating is meat? No, he says, I'm transitioning for the next week. I'm having oatmeal for breakfast. <laughs> oh, okay. So we start talking about how meat is actually our legacy. And in subsequent months, I will start to listen to podcasts about carnivore and keto and eating meat in general. And somebody said something that struck me. They said, well, yeah, I mean, you can, you can eat uh, grains and vegetables if you're starving, sure, but that's not going to sustain you. We've, we've, you know, we, were an we are an agrarian society. We grow grains, that's true. 
but that's a blip on the screen compared to the amount of time that we've been eating meat, that we've been hunter-gatherer. So I don't know how, but somehow in the macrobiotic literature that never made it in, and, and we really never really discussed it in that way, and so this was a revelation for me, and I thought, okay, so this is it. Meat is our legacy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. So again, speaking as an extreme person, I get off the phone with him, go to the co-op and go get some kielbasa, because that's what I was raised on. We, we had kielbasa as a kid. So I had kielbasa for dinner that night, and then I had bacon and eggs the next morning, and then I had steak for lunch. And the, I mean, it was like a revelation. It was a revelation. For two weeks, and people who, have, who had seen me around those two weeks, this was my gesture, you know? This was my gesture. I couldn't believe it. And if you know me, I'm a type A, go, go, go personality. I couldn't even believe that I had more energy than I did before. How is that even possible? I was still sleeping eight hours a day. I never had problems with sleep with macrobiotics. But I was still sleeping like a baby. But I had severe drive all day long. And I started to eat a little bit less as well, which was quite astonishing to me. I was spending less time in the kitchen. Unfortunately, this is where Annalena and I diverged a little bit because she was saying, ah, where's the grains and vegetables, Mom? And I was like, I don't know. Get in there and cook them because I'm full. I'm done. I don't want to be in the kitchen anymore. So nothing lasts forever. That two weeks of superwoman power was really incredible. And I really thought that I was going to be macrobi... I mean, the, excuse me, that I was going to be carnivore now forever, right? But the sleep started to get a little bit jolted. I was waking up at four in the morning, and I am a go-getter, but not that early in the morning. And then it started to be that by eight, I was crashing out. And again, single mom, not really possible. So friends suggested that I carb load a little bit at night. Boy, did that ever help. And I ate things like rice pudding. You know, things that, you know, like desserts, eh, whatever. I was like, rice pudding? Sleep like a baby again? And my sleep wavered again. Just carb loading wasn't enough for me. So I started to introduce veggies again. And then I realized I, I, I was eating whatever I wanted. I mean, everything was at my disposal. Summer sausage, cheese, eggs. I still don't drink milk because it just doesn't appeal to me, but things with milk in them, you know? And vegetables and grains and seaweed and beans and all the things that I knew from macrobiotics. And I just, I realized, wasn't I making balance with everything seasonal and local around me in order to fulfill my destiny? Wasn't I able to eat whatever I wanted now and get on with my life again? It was, it was amazing. I mean, it was truly, truly another revelation in this process. And so I started to look back, because why had I dropped macrobiotics like a hot potato? Why? Because of the pain, but why wasn't it working? And, and this is another part of the struggle that I realized that I was having, but didn't realize it until I was done with it, which was that I was snacking in between meals all all day is probably a, a big term, but I was having at least two snacks, right? Between breakfast and lunch and between lunch and dinner. And sometimes, I'll be honest, I'm cleaning houses for a living. Sometimes it was, I'm going to watch the, Cor you know, the Corbett Report with a bag of chips and some dates and 
you know, a handful of nuts. I don't know. To me, it was like the bag of chips, and it was very unconscious. And I would say to myself, it's okay, because I'm eating three healthy meals a day. Whatever I eat in between is fine. And I really didn't want to live like that. until. And, and it wasn't until I had stopped that I looked back and went, oh, that really wasn't the healthiest that I could be. So that was one revelation. The other revelation was, I always struggled with sugar, and I always chalked it up to being raised in the 80s and spending all of my allowance on candy. Of course I ate sugar all the time. It was like part of my DNA, man. And then I realized when I started eating meat and protein on a regular basis and other foods that filled the gap, I was actually satiated after meals and not snacking, I could look at desserts and not feel like I had to eat the entire thing. And granted, I, you know, it wasn't like this huge thing, but it was a release uh, from a tendency that I had that I always knew in the back of my mind wasn't healthy, but I never sat down and really said, why? Why am I doing this? Um, and, and the third thing that I realized that was really monumental was I really bought into that. You eat breakfast because it's the most important part of the day. You eat lunch because it's noon. And you eat dinner because it's 5 or 6 at night. And you just do that. You just eat your three meals a day. And I have to say, one of the things that's been really shocking for me is despite cleaning houses and tutoring children and running after my 12-year-old, and I mean, really, carting her around all over the place, I still have energy, and I'm only eating one or two meals a day now. And I'm actually full, and I feel amazing. In fact, today, I cleaned a mansion for about eight hours, and then I came here. I did take a one-hour nap in between, because I get up at five to get there. Um, and so uh, that was, a, again, just this huge revelation for me to go back and say, it wasn't working, but I really wouldn't have questioned it unless I'd gotten to that point of pain to look back and say what wasn't working for me. And I do believe that I, I did practice that conscious conversation with my body and my diet for the first 15 years of macrobiotics because that takes me pretty much into Annalena's third year of life, and I know that I was thinking about how best to nourish myself because I was trying to run after this very small child. And I think after that, you know, being a single mom and pretty harried, I think I started to dial it in a bit more and stopped having that constant conversation. Is this working? Why am I attracted to these snacks? Why do I keep eating sugar? That kind of thing. Um, and so we come to the present day with greater variety of food, eating less, that freedom from that strict macrobiotic protocol. Um, I feel more relaxed, and of course, my perimenopausal migraines have almost completely gone away. I can't say completely, I wish I could, because as I put here, I'm an impatient perfectionist, and I would love for everything to uh, go away as soon as I can uh, compartmentalize exactly why it, it shouldn't be there anymore. Um, so I wanted to share with you um, some of my thoughts and conclusions that I came to along the path of discovering this new way of being. Um, and some of them I've already sort of touched on in the beginning, but I wanted to sort of flesh them out a little bit more. The first thing I wanted to say is I really do believe that there's inherent wisdom in all of these dietary practices. I think that they all have their place. For instance, I still think that macrobiotics is a great diet in response to an extreme like drug addiction or cancer. 
I think I was living like a cancer patient, and that wasn't necessarily necessary after the first decade, maybe. Um, but that macrobiotics definitely has its place. I know people who have turned around severe illnesses through macrobiotics. Um, apparently, carnivore works for my dad, which is pretty amazing. I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty intense. But when you, when you listen to what they're saying about meat and its satiety and, and the protein um, content, that has a, an element of truth to it. That is definitely a truism. Um, uh, I really thought that people who were not practicing macrobiotics well enough wouldn't see health, but if they continued to apply themselves, I guess my point is, I really looked around and said, if everybody was macrobiotic and they did it according to their own thing, not, not my macrobiotics, but your macrobiotics and your macrobiotics, that everybody would find true health. And so one of the huge revelations that I came to was that that's not actually true. Not everybody wants to be macrobiotic. Certainly not everybody needs to be macrobiotic. And I think that that was an important uh, sort of breakthrough for me to begin to have more compassion for all of the ways that we get to health, right? Um, it's in the body and the soul of the beholder. That was what kind of came to me about that concept. Um, I think I mentioned before, I heard somebody say on a podcast, yeah, you can eat grains and vegetables if you're starving, but it's not sustainable. There was a time when I would have heard that and completely dismissed it out of hand. I knew what was best for me. I knew it all along. I was never going to question it. And hearing things like that now, I'm really appreciative of people saying really ex extreme things like that that make me go back and question what I hold to be the absolute truth even now, today, with my health, right? I, I like living now in that space of uh, really contemplating and taking it in and not feeling like, because sometimes we do, we have this diet, right? I'm vegetarian, I'm vegan, I'm omnivore, I'm carnivore, I'm keto, whatever it is, and we tend to put up a wall and kind of say, they don't understand if they were doing what I was doing. And I've come to realize that it's, it's really beneficial to have that conversation. You're going to come back to what is true for you, even if you take on somebody else's idea and weigh it, right? And if you don't come back to it, great. Maybe something needs to change. Um, I did have to ask myself in the end if I had depleted myself with macrobiotics or if I had challenged my body to do more with less. And I think that both are true. I really do. I think that um, meat is closer to the human being in its nature and that it's easier to digest meat than it is to get the protein that you need being vegetarian. It's more work to do that. You absolutely can do it. But beans, legumes, uh, tofu, the, those kinds of things, um, it's going to be, and even eating a lot of vegetables and grains, you're getting further and further on the chain away from What's, what is like unto the bodily nature, the human being. And so I do look back on that and say, well, maybe I, I'm actually stronger for that. Maybe I really did have to work to get my nutrition from such far out sources. And I also do think that I depleted myself by doing it for as long as I did. And I'm glad that that two weeks of carnivore seemed to kind of fill me up and you know, then I was ready to step out. And I look at um, my sleep and my relationships, the fact that I'm able to work several jobs, that I love dancing, and you know, 
kind of weigh in that I must be doing something still okay <laughs> and be able to, uh, yeah, subsist. Okay, so I love this picture. I didn't want to write any words over it. Um, but I did want to talk about some of the things that I saw that were similar in all of these dietary practices that I started to research once I was leaving macrobiotics a bit, well, or I was renegotiating what macrobiotics meant to me. In all of these diets, keto, carnivore, and macrobiotics, at least those are the ones that I was looking at, one thing that they all agree on is that sugar is not a natural food that it depletes the body of mineral resources and that the body actually has to work in order to bring those minerals back into balance. Um, another thing that I came to with these diets is looking at meat versus grains versus meat and grains. And this idea, again, that a holistic approach can be beneficial and that when we look at uh, what feels right to your body, that can be a really good uh, notion as to where to go. And then lastly, pro uh, processed foods and oils. So the processed foods is an easy one, right? We all, I think we can all agree that processed foods are generally things to avoid. Um, but the oils was really interesting to me. Macrobiotics is really predicated on a lot of vegetable or seed oils that I had really never taken into consideration. And I've heard it from a couple of other speakers here at, these Duff at this Duff series. And I just want to reiterate again, that was so mind-blowing to me, something that macrobiotics had never really looked at, is that you are highly processing safflower seeds and sunflower and um, sesame seeds in order to get that oil in such large quantities. And that apparently, I, I don't know, because I'm not a scientist, I would love to look into it more, I, I think I will, that it's already rancid by the time that it's reached you, which blows my mind. I mean, 24 years, this was the backbone of my cooking. So for instance, when I did start the carnivore for two weeks, my dry skin went away in like 24 hours. And I said to myself, that right there is the proof that these seed oils were not working for me. You know, to me, that, that's what that meant. Um, in macrobiotics, though, we also talk about seasonal and local. And so one thing that I'm still um, dealing with is why are we eating coconut and avocado oils when those two are neither indigenous nor ever seasonal in this area? So one of the things that I've come to that I'm comfortable with right now is that I eat so little in general now that I'm also eating very, very little oil. And so those, you know, so the amounts that I'm actually taking in are pretty minuscule. So not to worry about uh, whether or not the oils are um, local. Okay, so... I just have to speak a little bit to Paul Rattay's suggestion um, while I was uh, doing my research as to how to figure out what my new lifestyle was going to be like. And he recommended reading this book, The End of Craving. And I do absolutely have to recommend it to you if you're interested at all in any of the little topics that I wrote here about this book. But this, this book really helped me um, let go of some of the tension that I had about feeling like, well, hey, I had this whole path. I had this whole vision. Macrobiotics was who I was and what I was doing. How can I just leave that behind? And um, it's not that I left it behind. It's that it morphed. And when it morphed, I really did, at the bottom of the page here, I really did enjoy my food more and trust my instincts and my desires about my cravings, about what foods I liked to eat. And the book is incredible for understanding 
the modern foodstuffs and why they are so out of balance and why obesity is rampant in the culture today. So I can't recommend this book highly enough. He starts off talking about carbs versus fat and how there have been debates about whether either one is the enemy at any given point. It's been, you know, both have been the enemy at various times in history and, um, and how neither one is really truly the enemy, right? How we need a little bit of both. Uh, and he goes into this disease called pellagra, which is essentially a niacin deficiency, and talks about how northern Italy dealt with this disease in a completely different way than the United States, with states which really brings to the fore again how processed foods are such a, they're such a part of our daily lives that we don't even realize it, including enrichment, right? How many of us grab a bag of pasta from the shelf and don't look at the package that says iron, niacin, and thiamine. This is where that came from. He goes into this long history of this disease and how in Italy, they actually started treating it by baking bread in communal ovens, giving rabbits to the poor, and um, encouraging them to drink wine, which um, had, had nitrates in it, right? And so, uh, you, you begin to see immediately how we, how we think about food and how we want a magic pill and how we denature food and then we try to add things back into it and it's really, truly to our detriment. Um, he talks about the uh, dieting and the set point, how you can feel comfortable to um, go outside of your comfort zone and, and truly eat what you're looking for and satisfy yourself knowing that your body has this set point, that it really it wants to stay at, it, at its regular range, which goes into uh, a whole understanding of the human body in a more trusting way as opposed to thinking that we're all sort of set to become obese in our lives. Um, anyway, I won't go into too much more of it, but uh, the basic, the basic gist is the nutritive mismatch, and that, and that has to do with the fake sugars, the fake fats, um, and the artificial things that we add to our foods that are adding or taking out calories and are not really true to what, they, to what our body is expecting. And so we live in this state of what he calls uncertainty, and then that's where the trouble starts. You know. So anyway, I highly recommend that book. I happened to come across it while I was um, talking with Paul about my condition and, and trying to work things out. So some final thoughts. Um, I, I just wanted to reiterate, and again, I hope, that, I hope that you got something out of some part of this story. Again, it, it was completely different than what I assumed I was going to be talking about, the ins and outs of everything with macrobiotics. And I still do use macrobiotic uh, ideas. For instance, one of theirs is to chew well to try to do as much digesting for your body in your mouth before you actually swallow and uh, give your organs a break, give your digestive organs a break, staying with the seasonal and the local, if that makes sense. Uh, and then the burger versus the tofu. Somehow I, I had heard this many, many years ago, being macrobiotic, but somehow I had forgotten it along the way. And the, and the saying goes, he who eats a burger and is happy is healthier than he who eats tofu because he should. Right? Right? Like, we really have to have a conscious conversation with ourselves about uh, not only the things that we're doing that we know are unhealthy, that need to be renegotiated, 
but also the ways in which we think we're eating well, but we're not enjoying it. Oh, I gotta eat that damn green smoothie that tastes like garbage, but it's so good for me. I don't know, do you? You know, or is there, some <laughs> or is there something else that, that speaks more to your taste? Um, and uh, the other thing, of course, is individuality. Do what makes sense to you. Be eclectic. Pull from different traditions and different truths. I, I personally feel that you can't go wrong that way. If it speaks to you and it makes sense and your body is, is relating to it in a healthy way, truly, if it's not, you know, Skittles, how can it be wrong? <laughs> um, uh, and and the, the next one is, is from the end of craving. It's sort of a, a, a gist of it. Enjoy your food. I mean, he talks about going to, he actually talks a lot about Goethe, Johann von Goethe, who goes on a trip to northern Italy from Germany, and he has the most amazing food experiences, and he comes back and he starts, you know, growing fruit trees and garden and, and vegetables, and, um, and, he, and he talks about there's a, a chamber of commerce in a little town in Italy that has a gold-plated noodle that's perfectly cooked. I mean, because they, you know, he, he says, in America, we talk about what we should eat. In Italy, they talk about how, how you should cook it. What's the best way to cook things? Um, trust your desires. He goes into um, a lot in the book about uh, how uh, animals and people alike will be attracted to something that they're deficient in. They, they will do even crazy and, and even... Uh, dangerous things in order to get the nutrients that they need, and so to trust your desire. If you're if you're desiring something, there's probably something in it that you need. And if it's in the shape of a scone and you don't want to eat a scone, ask yourself what it is. Maybe you need some fat. You know, maybe you need some carbs. Something. If you don't want it to be a scone, and then understanding modern foodstuffs. I mean, really, he goes into all. And and he actually has a prior book called The Dorito Effect, which is talking about flavors in, in modern foodstuffs. I highly recommend these books. And you can get them on Audible because I don't have time to read. So when I'm cleaning house, I'm listening. I listened to that book, The Craving Book, three times already. It's so good. And there's so much in it. So much in it. Um, and, oh, and, and lastly, they all work. So this was something that I said earlier that I'll just, I'll just repeat here. I was listening to this podcast about you know, reaching your full potential, your full health potential, and we've got these tests and these fancy meters and these this and that. And then he would invite someone who had made the grade onto his podcast and talk about what they'd done in order to hack their lives, you know. And I don't get into all of that. I mean, Paul and I made a joke that, you know, we, we should, you know, if, if you're ever going to do a podcast like that, you always have to go shirtless because every one of them is always shirtless and they look ripped and incredible. And you have to ask yourself, what kind of health do I want? Personally, I just want to sleep well and be able to raise my daughter. I don't need to be ripped, you know. Um, but anyway, what I really appreciated about this guy was that he acknowledged that he would invite people on who had, who had done the work and gotten to their levels, even if they were vegan, even if they were vegetarian. And what he always said was, look, it's harder. I mean, you've got to eat more, and you've got to really be able to know what has what in order to get the, the nutrients that you need, in order to get your numbers to all the places that they need to be. So I really appreciate that inclusive aspect. Um, for me personally, of course, I found that 
I want to enjoy the foodstuffs that make my life a little bit easier so that I'm eating a little bit less and I can not spend as much time in the kitchen. But I do think that if I didn't have a daughter and I could sit around and think about it and weigh and measure everything all day, I think I could still be macrobiotic maybe and get all the protein that I wasn't getting before. But I'm very grateful for meat. Thank you. <laughs> um, I believe that is the end of my spiel. So thank you very much. <laughs>